One Week Season. Bam, the nation, my dudes and dudettes. Hilo here, bringing you the Monday news, updates, reaction, major ADP movements session. As you know by now, this will come out every Monday and we'll cover the previous seven days, the major news, the updates, our reactions to those news and how we expect ADP to be moving and some major ADP movement from the previous week. This is coming out basically heading into week five of draft cycle. With that, we're honestly not going to cover a lot of the ADP movements because primarily they should be covered based on the news here. And we have a ton of news this week to cover. So we're going to focus on the news and I'm going to give basically my projection or how I expect the market to react to that news or to the set of news that we're going to cover. And obviously the big one on the table for us for this previous week, the Arizona Cardinals released DeAndre Hopkins. They did so prior to the June 1st major date. What do we expect to come out of this? I expect DeAndre Hopkins' ADP to climb based on the betting odds for his next home. We have Dallas up there. We have Kansas City up there. We have Buffalo up there. We have teams that are pretty good offenses. Uh, the, the, I guess the subset of the news was that DeAndre Hopkins came out and said that he wants to play for a he gave all these this list of like what makes a team that he wants to play for. And it basically, he just listed like five of the top six NFL quarterbacks in today's game. So that news notwithstanding, or that subset of news notwithstanding, uh, DeAndre Hopkins wants to play for a contender. He listed a good defense on, on his little agenda or, or list of, of wants. He listed five of the top six quarterbacks. He listed a team with uh, an offensive coordinator that would maximize his talents. It's like, yeah, we get it, dude. You want to play for a good team. You could have just said that. Uh, But anyway, the expectation from the field that he's moving from the Arizona Cardinals, a bottom feeder offense, a bottom feeder team, a team starting a, a significant rebuild because of where Cliff Kingsbury and their GM left them. Um, coming into this new season to the expectation that he's moving to a top offense. I think we're going to see his ADP continue to climb over the coming, however the heck long it takes him to sign. Um, And him currently sitting as a fourth round pick towards the back end of the, or actually right in the smack dab in the middle of the fourth round. Um, I'd expect that to climb to middle to late third round over between now and when he actually does sign. So if you want to be able to kind of stay ahead of that, I would start making those stacks like in the blind, we call it uh, in aviation terms, which is you are doing it prior to hearing anything else. 
Um, in the blind and aviation, quick side story is just you can't, you don't know if anyone is hearing you, but you still transmit. Uh, sorry, I digress. Also, fallout from that, we should expect Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore ADP to continue to climb. Marquise Brown is still in the early 70s in ADP. Rondell Moore has jumped three full rounds already since DeAndre Hopkins was released three or four days ago. I'd expect Rondell Moore to continue climbing. He was readily available 16th, 17th round. He's now going in the 13th, 14th round. And I'd expect that to continue to climb somewhere around the Jacoby Myers range, which is another player who has a an established skill set, an established role um, on an offense that we expect to be kind of towards the middle of the pack. So Jacoby Myers, somewhere in the 10th, 11th round. Um, I'd expect Rondell Moore to continue to climb to somewhere around there. Marquise Brown probably is going to settle in the late 5th, early 6th round when I think all is said and done here. So with that thought process, there is still the potential for some closing line value on those two players. We have to also balance that thought process with the amount of drafts that have taken place that already have them on the roster at much lower prices. The Although the move for Marquise Brown is going to be lower in magnitude because he's already in the seventh round, those are more premium rounds that he's going to be moving up in ADP. So if I had to choose gun to head, I'd still be more inclined to take shots on Rondale Moore, and that's kind of how I've been handling it over the previous three or four days since that news came out. But those players are likely to climb in ADP. There's players on the Cardinals that are I don't expect to see any significant movement. We have Greg Dortch, and yes, Greg Dortch is kind of Rondale Moore version 2.0, um, they, they're unlikely to be on the field in any significant capacity together. So Greg Dorch is still kind of this borderline handcuffy type guy. What are the Cardinals missing now with Nuke no longer in town? They're missing that established big bodied X type wide receiver, that chain mover, that guy who can beat press man coverage. The only player that is on their roster now that has that body type is rookie Michael Wilson. The problem with that is struggled rather consistently with press coverage. He doesn't see it a lot in the college game, um, but what he did see kind of struggled with it, and now he's entering an NFL game where you see press coverage coming out of cover two, cover three, cover four quarters. Pretty much every defense, cover one you see press, pretty much every defense that is run at the NFL level um, you're going to see some mix and matching press, particularly if Michael Wilson is on the field as a rookie wide receiver, probably going to see significant amounts of press. The third one is the most interesting to me, and that's second year tight end Trey McBride. We have Zach Ertz, who's still on the roster. He's entering his age 33 season. He's coming off a multi-ligament tear in his knee. Um, and yes, the reports are he's ahead of schedule. Um, had a conversation on Twitter today. Everybody in May coming off an injury is ahead of schedule. That's just how reporting goes. Um, if he's breathing, he's ahead of schedule. But yes, Zacherts is still there. Rondell Moore is still there. But Trey McBride would be the 
player most likely to serve as that big body chain mover type player. He's coming into his second season. He has starting reps in this offense that stemmed from the Zach Ertz injury last season. So he's on a team that is expected to struggle, that is lacking that big body to chain mover type player. He is likeliest in my mind to kind of step into a, a heightened role uh, relative to kind of the role he saw at the end of the season last year after Zach Ertz got hurt. Um, so I don't expect any of those three guys to see much movement in ADP, Greg Dortch, Michael Wilson, and Trey McBride. Trey McBride remains my preferred target of the five names that were mentioned as holdovers on the Cardinals. Uh, I will still be taking some Rondale Moore where it fits. Getting into some theoretical aspects of that. The where it fits for me are on rosters that already have a Philadelphia Eagle. Again, week 17 correlation. But moving further beyond that, Rondell Moore has been a kind of like, oh, by the way, throw into Philly stacks for this entire draft cycle so far. But he is highly unlikely to have been utilized late as a skinny correlation. So what does that mean? That is like one Philadelphia Eagle and one Arizona Cardinal. Not targeting, not going overboard on targeting that game environment, but pulling that skinny correlation that still both those players could see a boost to their expectation, their expected value, whatever the case may be, um, in a game environment that kind of gets off the rails. But if we think about the Philadelphia Eagles, who they are, how they have played, how they have shown to play in games that they are completely controlling with now a Arizona Cardinals team that we expect to be completely reeling and rebuilding come week 17. What could that look like? That could look like we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, the starters, the quarterback, the wide receivers, the, the primary skill position players playing two and a half quarters like we saw last season. And now we're getting some the backup run and in a positive game environment. So Kenneth Gainwell and um, Trey McBride, skinny correlations are extremely appealing to me. Um, yeah, so finding finding the ways to still attack a situation that could have some, some value to it in a guy like Rondell Moore, uh, but doing so in ways where we're still exposing ourselves to potential for closing line value on ADP, but we're doing so in ways where the field is not. So a little bit of theoreticals thrown into that news of DeAndre Hopkins. That's kind of how I'm handling that situation uh, and how I see the highest edge uh, out of that situation. More rumors coming out around Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. We saw an update on Dalvin that he is at least open to accepting reduced monetary value, reduced role to return to Minnesota. Still the potential. This is coming out on May 29th on Monday. And the big date for the league is June 1st. So still a potential that something happens uh, with Dalvin Cook. The other name there is Joe Mixon. We've seen um, Zach Taylor kind of have Joe Mixon's back. We saw Samaj P. Ryan leave town. We saw the 
Bengals not bring anybody else in through free agency or the draft. So between the two, Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, I have higher confidence level in Joe Mixon with his current team. And the fact that their ADPs are so close, they're both playing on expected top five to seven offenses for this coming season. They're both in this kind of nebulous range of we don't really know if they're going to be back, but we we think they're going to be back. But the Vikings went out and they re-signed Alexander Madison to a two-year extension. And the basically the exact opposite happened in Cincinnati where they let Samaj P. run go. They didn't bring anybody else in. And the running backs behind Joe Mixon on the Bengals roster have a combined like 40, 50 carries in the NFL. So um, definitely different scenarios, situations. Um, but taking that discussion a little further, there are still three bigger name free agent running backs available on the market. Kareem Hunt, um, uh, Zeke, and Leonard Fournette. So what happens to some of these backfields that their running backs are, we'll call them, t- their value is tied to volume. That's probably the nicest way to put it. Um, the, the running backs who are not world beaters of their own right, but they have value to fantasy football because of their volume expectations. So we're talking Rashad White. We're talking Isaiah Pacheco. We're talking kind of Damian Pierce. He's a, he's probably on the borderline of this discussion. We're talking Miles Sanders, again, probably on the borderline of this discussion. We're talking Samaje Piran in Denver. We're talking Brian Robinson. I remembered his name in Washington. So what happens if Dalvin Cook gets released or Joe Mixon gets released or and or one of these three free agent running backs, bigger name running backs that are still available on the market, signs with one of those teams? What happens to the previously mentioned guys, White, Pacheco, Pierce, Sanders, P. Ryan, Robinson, these guys who their value is primarily tied to their volume expectation? It, it, it takes a significant hit. So a lot of these guys, I have taken a rather underweight approach on to this point. And it's basically like they're, the risk to reward profile is heavily favored towards the downside because None of these guys are likely to see their ADP increase significantly, but it could fall significantly should one of these free agent running backs or Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon end up on their roster prior to the season. That's how I'm handling that running back overall macro situation of running backs uh, to this point. And we could see some news in the coming week. Next week's update is going to be rather robust as well. Other news. The A beat reporter came out of Jacksonville and said that the Jags are expecting to use a committee. They pointed to Travis Etienne's rushing metrics um, being not what they expected to be. They pointed to Travis Etienne's pass blocking chops or lack thereof. Uh, and some reports coming out that Tank Bigsby could be the primary benefactor of Etienne not necessarily taking on a borderline workhorse role, which is kind of where the field assumes his role to be coming into the 2023 season based on his ADP in the third round. Um, 
I do not have a lot personally of Travis Etienne. I get the I get the arguments for both sides. Uh, to me, it's, it was simply a matter of there are many, many other more sure thing running backs in the third round uh, that are going right around ETN where it just made a lot more sense uh, to take the Josh Jacobs, the Ramondre Stevensons, the Tony Pollards when he was in the third round uh, now in the late second. Uh, there was just much more upside uh, to me. Um, also, Travis Etienne had fairly mediocre red zone rushing and receiving uh, metrics this past season um, and involvement. So uh, something to keep an eye on as well there. But Tank Bigsby is a name to watch, probably going to be climbing as we get more and more positive reports on his expected situation, which basically coincides with negative reports on Travis Etienne. Another big one to hit the streets this week was Jimmy Garoppolo had failed his initial physical. Um, and that is what caused his announcement for joining the Raiders to be delayed because they were reworking his contract to add a clause in there that said the Raiders can release him with basically no risk. So all of his um, guarantees in his contract would be void if he failed to pass a physical It has not been come out and explicitly stated that he has yet to pass a physical, but every report coming out of Las Vegas right now points to the fact that he has not passed a physical with the most recent report from this week stating that he did in fact fail his initial signing physical, which is what caused that delay in the announcement. What do I immediately think about now that The Raiders already let their backup quarterback go. They already burned the bridge with Derek Carr. He's now in New Orleans. And they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo to basically be this bridge-type quarterback over the next three seasons. They already have a alpha wide receiver in Devontae Adams who is has been vocal about the fact that he feels like the organization is kind of giving him the old runaround here. So Devontae Adams is already one of the riskier first rounders um, in current ADP. Other things that could happen, he could request a trade. He hasn't gone to that length yet, but he is vocally and visibly unhappy with the organization and with how he is being treated, how he thinks he's being treated in Las Vegas. So he could request trade. He's already kind of a shaky first rounder with the assumption that Jimmy Garoppolo is his quarterback. Uh, So he is, I expect we might see Devontae Adams. I mean, he started with an ADP of nine or 10. He's now into like the close to 12. I think he's approaching. So he slipped a couple spots. I expect we might see some further slippage from Devontae Adams ADP. Um, I do. I'm just below personally. I'm just below um, the field. So just below 8%, I think I'm sitting at 6% Devontae Adams. Um, probably want to keep it personally just around the five to 6% mark. And that's primarily a function of Devontae Adams is still one of the top wide receivers in the game and his playoff schedule as a member of the Raiders, assuming he stays, uh, is fairly nice. 
so I don't want to get too far below the field on Devontae Adams, but um, I will manage that as I expect his ADP to continue slipping. So talking about the theoretics associated with that, I'm probably going to be passing on Devontae Adams a little bit more with the expectation that his uh, ADP does slip a bit and you could generate some unique combinations of that first, second round turn uh, if Devontae Adams slips further. I am also targeting Jacoby Myers through all of these unknowns rather heavily. His current ADP is sitting at 117. That has actually fallen about three quarters of a round. So I think he started around an ADP of 110. So he is trickling into the 10-11 turn um, in drafts currently. Talking about all this unknowns, his quarterback could or could not be Jimmy Garoppolo. Devontae Adams could or could not theoretically be playing with the team. What would happen? We talked about for my, this will be released to everybody, to the masses, but for the people that are new to OWS Best Ball Plus, we covered this idea of what ifs and what if the second level or the second layer of that thinking is who benefits the most in a what if scenario. So what if Devontae Adams gets released, gets traded? What if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't starting quarterback? Who would benefit the most? It's probably a combination of Josh Jacobs and Jacoby Myers on the Raiders. So I'm still targeting Josh Jacobs um, heavily in the third round. He's probably one of the more elite third round picks at current ADPs. And I'm targeting Jacoby Myers heavily through his slight fall in ADP. Um, and if, if more bad news comes out about Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd expect both Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers to continue to slip. Josh Jacobs is probably going to stay the same might increase a tad, but I'm targeting Jacoby Myers, targeting Josh Jacobs and kind of taking a wait and see approach on Devonte Adams to allow his ADP to settle out a bit. Um, news from Indianapolis, Anthony Richardson was splitting first team reps with Gardner Minshew at OTAs. He is the only rookie quarterback to be, to at least be splitting first team reps at OTAs. The other big names, they were all working with the second team. And that was the going in assumption in Carolina and in Houston as well. What does that mean? We're probably not going to see any um, slowing down of Anthony Richardson's ADP climb. We've already talked about how his situation kind of mirrors Justin Fields from last year, how that's not a direct comparison because obviously Justin Fields was entering his year two. Anthony Richardson is a rookie. Um, but Anthony Richardson is a guy who I targeted heavily early when his ADP was so deflated. And I've slowed down a bit considerably um, now that his ADP is climbing. Um, beat report out of New York, uh, the New York football giants that Jalen Hyatt, rookie wide receiver, likely will not be an immediate contributor. That makes sense from kind of our read and our being one week seasons read uh, and my read on the situation there in New York. And how they have utilized Darius Slayton when he is healthy. As that 
safety manipulator is how I call it. That Z wide receiver with speed to manipulate safeties. And why is it a direct conversation to be having uh, in conjunction with Slayton? Because that would be the position that Jalen Hyatt would be likeliest to play. He is the only other big bodied fast wide receiver on their roster that has a ton of gadgety, um, agile, in close type wide receivers. Wandale, Rob, the you know the Wandales and um, the Sterling Shepherds and and that type of wide receiver. So the fact that Slayton is established veteran, the fact that he can beat press coverage deep, the fact that. Um, he has been utilized as that safety manipulator in New York. I'd expect, or or I would side with more agreeing with that beat report. Um, and it's more of something that we had just kind of already projected. So the fact that Jalen Hyatt still is going in the 13th-ish round and the fact that Slayton is going in the 17th, 18th round sometimes, um, there is some, um, some unbalanced upside from Slayton that we can tap into there. Jerome Ford getting more hype out of Cleveland. The re- specific report that came out this week was that basically they are giving Jerome Ford the opportunity to, the quote was soak up all the work left behind by Nick Chubb. So to me, that is a glaring report for Nick Chubb. Again, was an elite third rounder at the beginning of draft season. Now he's in the late second and I'm just can, I'm following that train up similar to Tony Pollard. I think both of those guys are set up. They're both in my top five running back rankings. Um, and both are set up for success for the coming season. Uh, but Jerome Ford is a guy who's starting to see his ADP climb as he gets more and more, um, the field realizing that, Hey, the, the Browns did nothing to address their running back depth behind Nick Chubb, including seeing the RB2 and the RB3 from last season depart uh, through free agency this year. Uh, This is a doozy. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been quote-unquote stepping up in OTAs. This sounds like a broken record. Been there, done that. We have... The team brought back Jerick McKinnon. It's almost the exact situation as last offseason. They were basically seeing and biding time to see if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could grow into that third down tight back role. Uh, and they ended up bringing Jerick McKinnon back for a one-year deal. So kind of watch, rinse, repeat with CEH. I'm not buying the hype. Um, I'd expect his ADP to... Uh, get a little tickle, maybe move up a little bit. Not sure, uh, but I'm kind of staying away from that situation. Um, I see the merit to taking a shot or two, considering he's going 18th round, um, where it makes sense and where it would make sense for me would be zero running back team that also has Patrick Mahomes uh, because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be the most useful to the Kansas City Chiefs in a pass-catching role. Uh, Lamar Jackson praised Rashad Bateman again. The first thing that came out about Rashad Bateman out of Lamar Jackson's mouth was, um, basically him just listing (laughs) Rashad Bateman first when he was talking about his pass catchers. Then this week, 
he basically came out and said, um, the believe the direct quote was he was asked if what it was like seeing Rashad Bateman back on the field because Bateman was present for OTAs, as was Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson said, quote, oh, my guy, it was good to see my guy out there. So he called him his guy. I don't know. That's That was the news on Rashad Bateman. Uh, apparently, he is Lamar Jackson's guy. But we Rashad Bateman is a guy that you know, if you're familiar with me um, and OWS, you know that I have been high on Bateman. He is my highest-ranked um, Baltimore wide receiver, and I expect him to operate as kind of the guy uh, in Baltimore. Uh, Brock Purdy is going to begin or is reported to begin or reported to be set to begin throwing this coming week. And this is coming off of his UCL injury. So that is good news for Brock Purdy. Again, all the reports out of San Francisco to this point in the offseason are that Brock Purdy is the starter when he is healthy. And I have kind of been drafting um, him in that light. Uh, taking stands on him as a quarterback three on rosters that already have one of the primary three. Okay, we'll we'll call it primary four pass catchers. Uh, you can include Debo. I don't include Debo in that discussion, uh, but you can include Debo in that discussion as primary pass catcher uh, for the 49ers um, and on rosters that I also have. So if I have a primary San Francisco pass catcher and I have a member of the Washington Commanders. I will look to Brock Purdy um, at times where it makes sense as a Week 17 correlation and game stack. Finally, Austin Eckler signed a reworked contract to give him more incentives. He's still set to make his base salary of like 6.45, I think, million for the coming season. They did not extend him but he is now going to play for the Chargers on a reworked contract that gives him a more incentive-laden deal. So what does that mean? He's entering his age 28 season. He's highly likely to not uh, be brought back to the Chargers in 2024, but we can expect, I think, based on how this whole situation has played out, the Chargers view themselves as in a win-now window. They are trying to push to compete with the Bengals, they're trying to push to compete with the Chiefs and the Bills. And they have kind of pushed all their chips in the middle here um, with the money that and the draft capital that they've sunk into their offensive line and the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of how you build a, a dynasty type team. But I'd expect Austin Eckler to continue his same role and not see a dip in utilization because this is probably the the franchise is probably viewing this coming season as his last with the team. So expect the same upside from Austin Eckler. And that was a lot of, so all that to say, Austin Eckler does not move in my personal ranks. Uh, if you've seen those, if you have not seen those, spoiler alert, uh, first of all, sign up for Best Ball Plus <laughs> and get access to the full rankings. Uh, but he is my RB1 for the coming season even in a half PPR setting like underdog. With that, that is the news from this past week. That is my expectations of the fallout. That is my expectations on the field reactions and how I'm going to be handling each of those unique situations in drafts moving forward. 
As always, I am Hilo. You know where to find me. If you're not a member of Best Ball Plus, sign up for Best Ball Plus, a one-week season where you can get access to all of my work that we do, all of the work that Mike Johnson is doing, and the rest of the team at one-week season. And these uh, these pod, these sessions, we're calling them because this we designed the Best Ball Plus package to be mirrored around 90 one-on-one training sessions. So we call these sessions. These news reaction sessions will be released every Monday uh, at 7 a.m. Eastern on both the public feed and the Best Ball Plus feed. With that, I know I'm Hilo. You know where to find me. Find me in Discord. Find me on Twitter. Hit me up with any of those questions. We will see you in those draft lobbies, and we will see you at the top of the boards.